0: Good morning. I'd like to welcome you to church on this first Sunday of Advent. Please stand and join us as we sing our praises to God together.
1: Today is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is a time of waiting. We wait for God to send divine love and light into our dark world.
2: How does this happen?
1: God's light comes through Jesus, who became a human being, just like you and I, in order to be the means of restoring us to God.
2: Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light.
1: A reading from the prophet Isaiah. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will meditate,
2: excuse me, the Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation, nor train for war anymore. In Isaiah 2, verses 3
0: and 4.
2: The kingdom of God is drawing near. May we prepare our hearts for God's light to bring peace to Jerusalem and to every city and country in our world. Amen.
0: Please stand as we continue in worship. A silent night like any other
1: When heaven sent the one The one that we would call our Savior And redemption to be- Mother, my. broken hearts a day of hope has dawned the mountains bow and valleys lift their song declaring the arrival of the holy one on the earth his love has
0: Throne above in
1: majesty. From the realm of glory, Jesus heard our plea. Love has come, our captive hearts to read. Life eternal springs from our exalted King. On the earth.
2: Today a hope has We're going to uh, spend some time praying together now, and if you'd like to to come and kneel at the altar rails as you offer your prayers, I invite you to come and to join me. Please be seated. Father, as we begin another Advent season, we pray that you will once again prepare us for the coming of Christ. Give us hearts that are teachable. Make us open to the changes that you know we need. Give us a hunger for your word. Give us the eyes of Jesus for ourselves, for this world. Father, in our world of chaos and violence, of war and of so much pain, let the Prince of Peace fill our hearts with a desire for peace. In our world of, of aliens and strangers, of refugees and displaced people, give us compassion to minister in the name of of the one who had no place to lay his head Father we we can't help but think about our world today as we gather in this place of worship where we have freedom and safety and we think about the the Christians in Bangladesh who talk openly about Jesus and experience threats and intimidation discrimination they Christians there are harassed, they are robbed and beaten, and some even give their lives. Father, we pray that you will protect them. We pray that you will give them continued courage through your Spirit. May they know our love and our support. We pray, Father, that in the midst of opposition and persecution, you will do amazing things. Father, we continue to pray for... The people of our nation and the nations of the world who are recovering, grieving, trying to, to uh, restore normal life from recent disasters and acts of violence. We think especially of the people of Puerto Rico, and as in a few weeks, as we collect our Christmas Eve offering to assist the recovery efforts there, we pray that you will bless everyone. Who is working there to bring about hope and healing. And we pray, Father, that you will do more than we could dream or imagine. And Father, we we thank you for what you're doing in our own nation. And we pray that you will continue to work in the midst of our divisiveness. We pray for our government and the leaders of national governments and our more local governments. That you would continue to work in a way that you know is best as you lead and guide and change and transform. Father, we thank you for the work of this church and for the ministry that we have to each other. Even, even the, the small things of people who came yesterday to decorate the church. We thank you for all of the ways in which we minister and serve each other. And we thank you for the ministry and service of other churches. And we pray today for the Fillmore Wesleyan Church, Pastor Bill Lawson, and we ask that you would bless this congregation of believers. Pour out your spirit upon them as they are united in you and as they share your love with the town of Fillmore and beyond. Be glorified to bless them. And Father, we pray for the needs that we bring with us today. Our burdens of grief and pain and loss, all of the health concerns that we have, and we pray especially for Tim Nichols and Bob Brown, for Jane Swanson, Louise Princell, Laura Habecker, and Hudson Hess, for Nancy Cole and Brian Orbacher and Peter Lingenfelter, for Ellis Brotzman and Chuck Barrett, for Cheryl O'Brien and Ben King and Doris Issepian, for Isla Shea and Sheldon Emerson, for Bill Getty, for Warren and Ella Woolsey, for Mike Raybuck, Everett. For Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, for Dick Gould and Emily Crickler, and for others who are in our hearts and minds today, bring your healing grace into each of their lives. Father, we pray that you would give peace to all who may be worried about the future. We pray you give us direction when we stand at the crossroads of life's uncertainties. We pray that you would reconcile what seems irreconcilable, Encourage when hope may seem lost. Provide for needs that seem to be far too much. And let all of us, let all of us be touched by your compassionate love in Christ. In whose name we offer our prayers and from whom we learn the model for prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done
0: Our scripture reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. Would you please stand for our reading of the gospel? Our Gospel reading today comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore with our father Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising of the sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Before you're seated, uh, let me invite you to share a word of greeting with others. And if you have children going to Children's Church, they can be dismissed now. Turned it off and I forgot to turn it back on. Let me just mention a couple of things to you that are in your bulletin. Uh, the beginning of Advent, uh, the yearly Advent devotionals that uh, you can use individually, as family and group uh, for each of the Sundays in Advent are available in the back table. Just grab as many as you need and uh, hopefully that will help you uh, as a family or as an individual uh, to just ponder a little bit more about the uh, the coming of Christ. And also, I really want to encourage you to come back tonight at five o'clock. James McLean, who has been serving as one of our interns this semester, will be preaching tonight and we want to support him. We'll have uh, we'll sing together and pray together and then uh, he'll be preaching to us. And so if you can come back at five o'clock, It'll probably be about a 45 minute service. Uh, but we'd love to have you here supporting him as he uh, shares the word with us this evening.
0: like to invite our ushers forward as we move back to God through our tithes and offerings.
2: Listening to that, um, that song, it reminds us of the difference between Advent and Christmas. We live in a, a culture, a society that is racing to get to Christmas. I mean, I think this is the, I, it's the earliest I remember things being, Christmas decorations being up. I'm pretty sure it was in the middle of October when I first saw them this year. There is something... And I understand it. I mean, Christmas is awesome. You know, I mean, I I love all of the things related to Christmas. The decorations, the music, uh, all of the the parts of it. And and there is something about wanting to get there. And and we, we want Christmas to happen now. But the church fathers recognized... That Christmas would be so much more meaningful, so much more powerful, so much more ingrained in us if we prepared ourselves. And that's what Advent is for. These four weeks of Advent remind us, they, they prepare us, they slow us down. And since Advent is saying to us about running to Christmas, not so fast. Just slow down. There's something about this, this idea about running to Christmas that that is sort of this subtle psychological mindset that we want to live a life of avoidance. Because the reality of Advent is it is an opportunity, it's a calling to stop and to do some self-examination. And most of us would rather just run past that. Because self-examination can be difficult, it can be hard, it can be painful, it can be a struggle for us. But the reality is, much like Lent to Easter, Advent helps us experience much more deeply Christmas. This song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, that, that Dan played, it is it comes out of at least the ninth century. It's originally in a Latin text. Uh, it may go back; it may even be earlier than that. But this is the first that that we anyone has found the text, and and again in Latin. And it was it was chanted at the masses at mass by the monks, and and it was a part of their worship during the Advent season. It it was translated, It's been translated a variety of times, but the most popular translation. And the one that's in our hymnal is by John Neal. Uh, John Neal is actually appears in our hymnal a number of times. And he lived in the, uh, in the early 19th century. And uh, he was the translator of uh, All Glory, Laud, and Honor, the Day of Resurrection. Come, ye faithful, raise the strain. That Easter day with joy was bright. Christ has made the sure foundation. Good Christian men rejoice. Good King Wenceslas, of the Father's love begotten. And this one, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. He also, most people believe, was the one who probably put the text to the tune. Because originally the tune was not exactly what we sing, but he he created, put these two things together. And there's something about this tune that I think communicates the message of the song. There is something about music that can communicate, touch our emotions that words alone cannot. It, it, music evokes memories for us. Music evokes experiences for us. I think that's one of the reasons why we feel so passionate about the style of worship that we like. Because something about that music touches not only us in the moment, but in our past as well. We connect with it. So, For my generation, all it takes is to hear these four notes... And it evokes a memory for you, if you're of my generation. Dum-dum-dum-dum. <laughs> right? Dum-dum-dum-dum. That's all you need to hear. And you, and you automatically think shark, right? Shark going through the waters. It, uh, music has a way of evoking emotion. If you pay attention to movies, you think about, just think about the fact, you turn the sound off on a, a scary movie, it's not near as scary. But that music in the background playing, it frightens us. And it evokes emotion. And movies aren't near as sad without the music. They aren't near as happy without the music. There's something about the music that evokes emotion and touches us deep within. And that's why singing has always been so vital to the worship of the church. And when we think about these kinds of, of hymns, these carols, that, like O Come, o Come, Emmanuel, it's not just the words, it's the music that's communicating to us. This haunting, lamenting melody. There's something about this melody that speaks to our, our struggle of Advent. I've been listening to a variety of arrangements of, uh, of o, Come, o Come, Emmanuel over this course of this week. And it's interesting to me how you get different interpretations of it, which I think sort of highlights some of the things about it. I was particularly intrigued by the, the version of Matt Marr. And we're going to play just the first 30 seconds or so of his version of that. That's good. Do you hear what's going on in the background as he's singing, just playing that guitar? There's a drum beat, some come kind thump thum thum thump thum 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 thump. When I heard that, you know what made me think of? It made me think of the times when I'm tapping my foot. Not because I'm following the rhythm of music, there actually is usually no music playing, it's impatience. You ever done that? You're waiting for someone and you're sitting there tapping your foot like that. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. He sat fidgeting. And I don't know if that was his intent, but that's what spoke to me immediately when I heard that. And it struck me that what a a marvelous thing he's done to help us understand and experience that tension of we want Christmas now and God calls us to wait. We are such impatient people. We don't like to wait. And yet God keeps calling his people through the centuries to wait. Wait, wait, wait. Because there are lessons we learn. You can only learn in waiting. There are things about God that we can only experience in waiting. You can only learn to trust in waiting. But all the while, in the background of our minds, there's this thump, 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 Come on, God, let's go. Let's do this now. I don't want to wait. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And Advent keeps saying, slow down. Slow down. And this mournful song that, that we sing every Advent is not, it, it is a sense of, there's a sense in the waiting of pleading. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Over and over again, verse after verse after verse. O oh, come, oh, come, oh, come, oh, come. There is this waiting, this pleading, this yearning for God to come. I was trying to think of, of the emotion of that and the thought of that. And it struck me, it reminded me of when I was about 10 years old and I was playing Little League. In our little league park in the town of Evansville, Indiana, which is a pretty large city, 150,000 people, it was located back in a in a in another in a like in a um, uh, another par- bigger park, and it was the field was totally surrounded by trees, and uh, it was there really was there was just this one single road that would drive you to the park and then it circled back around to get out. It was really the only thing back there. It was a beautiful sight, but it was pretty secluded. And I remember one time being there for practice later, late in the afternoon and into the evening. And we got done and my parents were supposed to come and pick me up and they were late. And everybody else was leaving and everybody else left and I'm sitting there waiting for them. And there there's was one guy who was saying, hey, I'll give you a ride home. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, no, no, that's okay. I'll stay with you. No, that's okay. And the whole time this guy is making me more and more nervous. And in my heart, the whole time I'm thinking... Come on, come, parents, come. And there was a sense of fear and anxiety and worry and stress. As a 10-year-old boy waiting for my parents to come. And I think there is something in that... That, that God's people experience as we wait for God to do what he wants to do because we live in a world of fear and anxiety and brokenness and pain. And often we're right in the middle of it. And we're saying, God, do something. Come. Israel waits centuries for the promised one to come. And we have waited centuries and centuries more for him to come again. To fix things, to make things right He keeps telling us to wait and to trust, but he never tells us to stop asking and pleading. It's okay to say, come, Lord Jesus, come. This is our heart's desire. But it's not just for God to come someday. It's for God to come now. You will notice in the in the context of of these verses, and I printed for you in your in the insert in your bulletin uh, the majority of there are more verses to the song than what 's in our hymnal. I think there were just four in our hymnal, and I included a few extra ones and If you look through those images there, you see over and over again the um, the images that you find, first of all, so come will come Emmanuel, God with us. We first see in Isaiah chapter 7, talking about the Messiah. And then when the angel appears to Joseph in Matthew 1, he says, he will come and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is we want God to come among us, God to be with us. But he also talks about come thou dayspring. Come, thou root of Jesse. Come, thou lord of David's key. Come, thou wisdom from on high. Come, desire of nations. All of these attributes, all of these understandings of who God is. I'm especially intrigued by by the one about the desire, or the uh, come dayspring from on high. Oh, come, thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows. Put to flight. When you're in the waiting period, it feels like darkness often. It feels like a struggle. It feels like pain. And we yearn to be free from it. This word day spring is, is a poetic term for dawn. Let the dawn come. When are we most afraid when it's nighttime? When do we feel most lonely at nighttime? When do we tend to feel most anxious in the darkness? Whether that would be physical darkness or metaphorical darkness, spiritual darkness. That's when we feel the yearning and the desire for the light. And this song, we sing this song and say, come and be light for us. Light has always been a a part of God's presence. In the Old Testament, the the candles were continually lit in the temple. The light symbolized God's presence with them. When you come to to Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 9, he says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. The light has come. In John's, in the beginning of John's uh, prophecy or John's gospel, he begins by by saying, talking about how the light has come into the world, shining into the darkness, the light of life. And this is what Jesus comes to do—to shine light into our darkness, to be hope in our despair. That's why. The chorus keeps saying, Rejoice, rejoice. That refrain was not a part of the original text. It was added probably in the 18th, 19th century. I think it was a good addition. Because it reminds us that in our mourning, in our pain, in our struggle, in our agony, what are we really doing? We're rejoicing. We rejoice. Despite the darkness, we rejoice despite our pain. We rejoice despite the feelings of despair. We rejoice because even though the world is in desperate need and brokenness and pain and struggle and violence, we rejoice because God has already fixed it. No, because he's promised to. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. Christ has come. But everything isn't done yet. But we still rejoice because we know what's coming. We rejoice because of the one who's made the promise. I think back to that day when I was waiting for my parents. I, I, I felt fearful and anxious, but I was confident they would come and get me. I didn't know why they were late, but I knew they would come. Because I knew they loved me. Because I knew that, that they would be there for me. They always had been. And I knew they always would be. If it was a neighbor who was coming to pick me up, or somebody I didn't know that well, I don't think I would have been near as confident. But when you know the character of the one who's coming, it changes the dynamic of your waiting. And you can even rejoice While you wait. See, waiting isn't always because uh, waiting isn't always about something that that we're hoping doesn't happen. Uh, Waiting is often about something we hope to happen. You think for a second about telling your toddler that in two weeks you're going to visit grandpa and grandma for Christmas. Two weeks is a long time for a toddler. And every day they keep saying to you, is today the day? Are we going to grandpa grandma's today? Because they want to go to grandpa and grandma's house. They want to go see them. They want to be with them. They want it to come. And every day they keep asking, is today the day? Is today the day? Is today the day? And you learn after a while, don't tell them so far ahead. Right? It's a joyous anticipation. But it's hard to wait. It is interesting to me as I look at this this song that it's addressed to Israel. And yet, it's for the whole world. That last verse, O come, desire of nations, bind our spirits in one heart and mind. This is really the message of the prophets. The God who loves Israel loves the whole world. Jesus comes as the fulfillment of every promise of God, not just to Israel, but to the whole world. And when we think about the coming of Christ... It is never something selfish. Our waiting is never selfish. It's about the whole world. And we look around at our world and we pray for Jesus to come again to heal the brokenness of our world, not just to get us out of a mess. To bring heaven's peace to our world, not just to make our lives easier, but to bring healing and grace and and restoration to so many people of our world who don't understand and who live with such violence and struggle and difficulty. But when we sing those words, O come, desire of nations bind, our spirits in one heart and mind, bid envy, strife, and discord cease. Fill all the world with heaven's peace. When we sing those words, we are not just asking God to do it. We're saying, God, help us to be a part of doing it. We sing those words as agents of God's kingdom. Agents of God's heavenly peace coming to earth. And that, too, is a message of the prophets that we see over and over and over again. That God comes and chooses Israel to be his people so that they will be a beacon of light in the world of darkness. And they will be a, a, a reason for hope in the world of despair. And this, is too, is our calling. That we're asking God to make us, in the words of St. Francis, instruments of his peace. And that means we do everything we can to eliminate from our hearts envy, strife, and discord. It means that we live humbly instead of arrogantly. It means that we continually work to give up our rights instead of grasping them. It means that we continually, day by day, surrender our hearts and our lives To Christ. So that people might see him in us. I suspect you might be thinking throughout this morning. Why in the world are we talking about a Christmas carol? Why are we doing this? And why are we going to do it the next few weeks? There's a story behind why I'm doing this today. It's probably been... Thirty years ago, that I heard a sermon by Charles Allen, who was at that time the pastor of First United Methodist Church in Houston, Texas. It was at that time one of the largest, if not the largest, United Methodist churches in the world. And um, I love to hear him preach. Got a really strong Southern drawl as he preaches, but just a just a great communicator. And in the middle of the sermon that I was listening to, he said, he said, I have to tell you, he said, a few weeks ago, he said, we were sitting in church and he said, I got so tickled. I started laughing in church. He said, I'm sitting up on the platform and I'm just, burst, I just burst out laughing. He said my people are looking at me. He said, I've been there 18 years. They'd never seen me do anything like that. He said, I'm the soul of decorum when I'm leading worship. And here I am. I cannot stop myself from laughing. And he said, We were singing one of the most beautiful prayers in the hymn book. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And that's a beautiful song. If you've been around the church much of your life, you've probably sung that song in one form or another. And he said, We got to that verse that says, Take my silver and my gold, not a mite with I withhold. He said, I looked out at that congregation, and I looked out at this group of people that, for 18 years, I've been trying to take some of their silver and gold. And he said, I got to thinking, what if God answered the prayer that they were all singing? He said, I just started laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. Just picturing in my mind, God answering the prayer that they were singing. And then he said to the audience, to whom he was preaching, he said, he said, it strikes me that maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea every so often to just think about, to preach some sermons on the great hymns of our faith. And maybe you could call it something like, let us live like we sing. And I think there's something to that. Because to sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, is really to sing our faith. It is an act of faith to say, God, I'm going to rejoice even though the coming isn't fulfilled yet, even though there's still more to do, even though there there is still a lot of darkness and violence and pain. I'm going to sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, rejoice and do in us what we need you to do. And that's why we come to this table today. Because at this table, we see the fullness of God's promise to us. That Jesus has come. And we are reminded of God's great promise that Jesus is appearing again. And we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, now and then. And make us people who rejoice because we believe in you. Father, we want to thank you for your grace and mercy to us. And we pray, Father, that that you you will help us to be people who look for you and who desire you who want you to come because it's the greatest thing in the world. Father, we pray your blessing upon the bread and the cup of which we partake today. May it be food for our souls through the grace of Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take from you, all of you. For this is my blood, which is given, my body, which is given for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And on the same night, he took the cup. He gave, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven. He gave it to his disciples, saying, drink from this, all of you. For this is my, my blood, which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. As you're released by rose this morning, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, eat it, and then you may return to your seat by the outside aisles. If coming to the front is difficult for you or if you prefer, we have a trays of bread and cups happy to serve you in your seat. And I have gluten-free wafers here. If you would like those, just let me know as you come forward. We practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. might be the first time you've ever worshipped here, but if you come today with your heart open to God with a desire for him to come into this world and into your life and come and receive these gifts, from our gracious, loving Heavenly Father.
1: glory, Jesus heard our plea. Love has come, our captive hearts are free. Life eternal springs from our exalted King. Oh, the
2: Receive the benediction. May Christ, who has come and is coming, fill your hearts with his peace, his joy, his grace, and his mercy this day and forevermore. Amen.